Bring me the passengers. I want them alive. Hello, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. We're back. You're back! Yes, indeed. This is the podcast where we write a song every week. And uh, apart from those weeks we didn't before. I'm Roger and... Uh, I might be Declan. <laughs> I didn't mean to say Anne. Um, and, and, go on, say and, your name. And, it's what you it's pay... It's line, dear. <laughs> it's what you pay you for. Wait, um, do you pay me? Uh, well, the cheques and the mail. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, it's a bloody long old mail. That old tired line of mine. Um, how's it going, Declan? It's good. I have a sniffle and a cold. Uh, well, a sniffle and a cough. I've had a cold. I don't have the cold anymore. I've just got these wonderful, joyous things left over, so you're going to have to deal with every now and then uh, a really interesting sentence by Roger being punctuated by... <laughs> Jesus, I did not realise that was going to get that loud on the waveform. We could sample that. <laughs> yeah. Remix of the titles. But other than that, yeah, I'm good. I'm happy. I'm in a good place right now, which is kind of weird when you hear what my song's about this week. But other than that, I'm in a good place. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's like, I, I'm, I have that with it's like, oh, lyrics, like, I should tell that to my lyrics <laughs> if I'm feeling happy. Yeah. Guys, I was in a really good mood and you're all about depression. Oh. <laughs> Um, and this is season 13 now, isn't it? Oh, unlucky 13. Ooh, talking Ooh. in trouble, witches' broths. It's nearly, nearly spoopy Halloween. Halloween. As you know, it will have been Halloween by the time this comes out. Oh, yeah, you're listening to this on November 5th, and for us, um, this is... The 26th of October. Yeah. Because We're not we... even pulling back the curtain, we're just ripping the curtain down so you can see it. Just dismantling the curtain, dismantling the concept of a curtain. What is it about a rug that's just been hung up on suspenders anyway? With season 13, um, for those of you who have heard the show before, you know that sometimes we have challenges. This time we're doing a no-challenge thing, because, um, speaking for myself... Songwriting a, a la mode. Rusty. A la mode, yes. I actually learned what that meant the other day. Oh, please tell me, because I don't know. A la mode. It, I think it means, like, contemporary, up-to-date. And a la carte means off the menu. <laughs> ah. Is this more like a la mode or a la carte? This is a la mode because it's the most recent season of the podcast, I think. LaPage had to change terminology there, like halfway through. Well, sometimes I don't know what a series is and what a season is. Depends if you're British or you're American. I, I've lived in both countries. In America, a series would be the actual show. Uh, so like Supernatural, say. But then like uh, the individual blocks of episodes would be seasons. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the UK, we use series for both. Oh. With, like, with one or two exceptions, it's normally series covers all terms in the UK, whereas it's season in the US. Oh, uh, that makes sense. That, that actually makes sense. But then that must get more and more confused as, like, the world becomes more international and, like, we have American and Korean programs on stuff, you know. It, it, it's old habits dying hard, that sort of uh, distinction between them. I swear this is a songwriting podcast. Um, <laughs> we we were thinking about, like, sort of goals for our songwriting for this season, like sort of things to sort of aim for, and we both made a little list. What's your list? Well, my list is only three items long, but it's explore ambiguity. Okay. Explore simplicity. Ooh. And right before Sunday. Yeah, that's one of mine as well. Yeah, right earlier in the week, so you've actually got a chance to like go back on things and check how they are and change them. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but that really shows in your song this week, I think. Uh, thank you. I may dissuade you of that notion later. Notion later. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, what was your list again? Because I've seen your list and my ADHD mind completely wiped what it was. <laughs> Shit, I've infected you over the podcast. No! <laughs> oh, you've got Roger. me. You've got me. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, oh my <laughs> poor little baby. No. <laughs> my poor little baby. Oh. oh it'll um, be all right, sweetheart. Get yourself a lens suit. My goals for, uh, for this season are write using three chords or so. Because in, in the gap between seasons, I've been listening to... Well, I've listened to a bunch of different stuff. But most recently... It's been, um, like, Joni Mitchell, not the stuff she did with Jacob Pastorius, like the simpler stuff, like Big Yellow Taxi and, you know. Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you've got till it's gone They paid paradise, put up a parking lot 
Oh, not the stuff she did with Big Brain Jazz Guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No big brains here, and and like Paramore and stuff, and you know, simpler music, which is packs more of a punch. So yeah, writing with three chords or so. Paramore, did you say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been on a bit of a Paramore kick recently. No way. Yeah, I've I've been like really into them this past week. Did you see the Mike the Snare video on them? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah, that's what kicked it off for me. Yeah, me too. Actually. <laughs> It's such a good channel, isn't it? It is. Uh, basically, what we're saying is go and check out Mike the Snare on YouTube. He's great. Songwriting podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what was your list? We sort of went off on a bit of no, tangent. No, no, no. Um, yeah, no, um, I've definitely been on the Paramore thing. Um, we should talk about that at a different time because I feel like we have a whole conversation to have about Paramore. Yes, we do. Uh, be faster and looser. Excuse me. Be faster and looser with decisions. Um, so yeah just kind of like because i've noticed like uh i'm doing the music for a pantomime at the moment and i've had to do it on quite a short schedule and i've noticed like usually i take loads of times thinking like oh what should the guitar chords be what should the guitar tone be whereas if i have to work fast like sometimes it turns out you know good uh so there's that you trust your instincts more yeah exactly yeah and then you don't sort of like you don't get analysis paralysis as they call it Mm. Uh, you should make sure to plug that at the end of the show. Oh, yeah. Um, focus more on groove. Just the general feel and rhythm and, like, mood of a track, as opposed to, like, structurally what notes are there, what beats are there, you know. Definitely, definitely, yeah. More an emotional response than a learned one. Yeah, exactly. This is a bit of a weird one. Leave gaps for more pedestrian sections. Hmm. By which I mean, like... Uh, I don't know. I think as songwriters, um, particularly with the songwriting podcast, we tend to go like, how can I, we said this loads of times, how can I be clever with what I'm doing? Um, whereas this time I want to be like, I want to just like linger on one chord for like, you know, two or four bars or something sometimes just to kind of like breathe a bit, you know? So mm. I thought that'd be good. And lastly, finish songs in, in one sitting, which actually I might go back on. <laughs> so, well, I mean, these are goals they're not necessarily like um tar- and they're not necessarily like expectations we have to meet as it were mm, exactly they're just things we have to try and keep in mind to try and influence our songwriting in this season definitely yeah i was also thinking like about like themes like do you have like any lyrical themes that you want to touch on the trouble with something like that is i can't decide that f- stuff in advance mostly because i write what i'm feeling at the time but also, I've written songs before on this podcast where I decided what I was going to write about first. And I've always viewed those as my weakest songs. Interesting. But with sort of that kind of thing, there is kind of a crossover in that I do want to try and focus more on stories and like storylines and progressions within songs this season. But I also kind of did that last season, so it's not officially on my list, but it is just still floating around my head. Yeah, I get that. I definitely get that. Um, <clears throat> I think that sort of like writing about what's going on for you at the time is is pretty important. So <laughs> my song's got a dumb title this week. It's called "Don't Let the Dead Guy Win." Um, I I, I huh? really don't know what I, I don't want to know what argument you are getting into with this dead guy. Well, I'm not going to let him win. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he goes like this. Well, I think I'm gonna fail you for a second time when my heart decides to walk right out the door and all those rites of passing time those thoughts i left behind are wrapped in light wasted on my floor Oh 
That was Roger's weekly song, uh, Don't Let the Dead Guy Win. I really, really like this. It's kind of got a really nice mood to it and an atmosphere. And just, it's kind of very small in its way, but I kind of like that. But I have thoughts about it, which I shall give to you later. Uh, please start telling us about how it was written and why it was written. Um, what you are thinking! <laughs> what were you thinking? Uh, I joke, I joke, I joke. Um, well... I got a piano um, between last season and this season. Well, not a piano, if you like an electric keyboard thing. Um, so I thought, you know, now I have that to hand, I'll try to make the first song on piano. I don't know. Uh, it was just a case of finding a set of chords that I liked. Um, and then the thing that really sold me, first of all, was playing... It's in F major, and I was playing 3-2-1 in the, you know chords of that scale so that's a minor g minor f which is pretty straightforward really but like i thought let me attach a melody to that and that's where you get that first well i think i'm gonna um that part i was like okay that's the start of a song you know mm. um and that's the thing like once you have that first little like hook bit you know that you go that is a song that could be something it kind of all flows from there and it was just a case of almost like <clears throat> thinking what i wanted to write about rather than you know, <clears throat> focusing too much on the melody or anything like that. Mm. So this one's kind of more like a words and emotion led process rather than like a musically led process. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of like I was saying at the start, like focusing more on on groove um, and feel rather than, you know, cleverness or anything. Mm. Which uh, sort of begins to invite what the words are about. Uh, I think I might know. May I postulate? Yeah, please do, yeah. Uh, so don't let the dead guy win. Is this kind of like comparing yourself to like maybe musical heroes or like uh, like uh, idols or like other people uh, from the past who like, you know, by the time they were 27, they solved world hunger or something like that? Is it kind of about that idea? No, that's a really good guess, though. I could see why you went in that direction. Ah. Hmm. It's more um, like... Um, Someone from your past who you're no longer in contact with who had a really adverse effect on you, you know, on your on your upbringing and your formative years. It's like now in the present, how much do you allow that person who you're no longer in contact with affect you and your happiness? It's kind of like don't let that person win, you know, don't let them, you know, be a dark cloud over your life forever. Ah, yeah, I can now you say that, it suddenly clicks into place a lot more. But that's kind of like just the end of the song. Uh, I think the ending, the reason the song's called Don't Let the Dead Guy Win is because I thought that was the best like line I could pluck after I'd written it for like, okay, that's a title. Mm. And it kind of counterbalances the emotional heaviness of the song. But then like the first and second verses, you know, um, I think I'm going to fail you for a second time, is like, it's kind of talking about how that, that upbringing, those formative years, can have a, a negative impact on, like, your ability to form relationships and maintain relationships and, you know, how you can just kind of, like, develop uh, negative coping strategies and stuff. We might be returning to this vague topic area again before the podcast is out. <laughs> it is kind of vague, I guess. Um, I mean, <laughs> I think one thing that I don't mention all the time, but, like, that kind of goes alongside writing is like therapy and stuff you know i've done i've done a, a a lot of therapy in the last year and i think you know it would be weird if that stuff didn't come to the surface in my songwriting you know mm. yeah that's they should put that on adverts of therapists like uh sort out all your <laughs> problems get some great fucking lyrics <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> it, it is really good for that um i think that's actually one thing i like in um a lot of songwriters I listen to. I mean, we were talking about Paramore before. Um, I've I've been going. Whenever I get into a band, I go through all the interviews and I I just digest everything online about the band. And, um, Haley Williams was talking about like how, 
she's been through loads of therapy and like like talking about a lot of the same stuff that I am in my songs, but she does it a lot more, you know, concisely and <laughs> better and that sort of thing. It's annoying but, uh, when art sorry to cut you off, it's annoying when artists do that, isn't it? Isn't like, it? For ages, like uh I remember my big example is that I was trying to write uh this song about like um feeling out of place in the world and like coming up with these long descriptive paragraphs and I just pop Mika on and like the first line of any other world is in any other world you could tell the difference it's just like fuck fuck's sake <laughs> I've written so many songs trying to say that and you've just done that in one line oh tell me about it um my favorite Paramore album and it always has been is Brand New Eyes and mm. like I can relate to so many of the lyrical themes on the album right now, but she's just delivering them in these beautiful metaphors. But like, they're not metaphors where you go like, what does that mean? You're like, that sums up the whole situation, you know, of like, I don't know, abandonment or whatever. And it's like, how do you do that? And how do I do that? (laughs) (laughs) Clearly what we need is to uh, kidnap Hayley Williams and have her on the podcast as a guest in inverted commas. And tell her to uh, reveal her secrets. She must reveal her secrets for the benefit of the world and for its songwriters. Uh, is this getting creepy? I think this might be getting creepy. No, no, kidnapping people isn't <laughs> creepy. It's kind. Yeah, we're doing a kindness to the artistic community. Yeah, and she might enjoy it. Oh, God. <laughs> this is probably going to come back and haunt us or something. We don't actually mean this. This is a big joke. You can't joke about things anymore, folks. Uh, I mean, not about this, definitely. <laughs> no, not about this, actually. Um, but anyway, yeah, she's she's great. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of like touching on those things, I guess, um, lyrically. Mm. And then <laughs> I kind of broke one of my aims, or like not broke one of my aims, but like one of my aims was write like with three or four chords or so. And this one uses way more than that. Um, um, but only but it uses not, five. <laughs> not out of like wanting to be clever necessarily, just being like these are the chords which kind of like carry the melody I've got in my head. That's all. Well, I mean, this is kind of uh, related to something I was talking to someone about last night. Like we can aim for accessibility and simplicity but if we've got the stuff the complicated stuff that can make records better then yes we should put it in there or make songs better we should put it in there so long as you keep it simple and accessible absolutely because like there there are clearly some slightly more complex passages in this song but it is done in a very accessible way which means that anyone can enjoy it rather than just jumping straight into the diminished ninths and like uh, <laughs> all that fun stuff. Well, I think there's definitely like a, a d- distinction to be made between like using chords which you know about for emotional resonance or like, you know, to like carry a melody, um, which might be non diatonic and outside of the scale, so to speak. And then the distinguished distinction between that and just like putting in chords being like hey look at this chord i use showing you know, off like, essentially exactly yeah which is kind of like why i don't like a lot of like jazz infused songwriting some of it i love obviously that's too broad a statement because obviously like nina simone and you know that sort i mean of stuff is great. nina simone is kind of very much the accessible end because it's mostly simple piano arrangements and her vocal mm with a few suspensions and, like, complicated passages in there as well. But, like, Cinnamon, for example, is quite a relatively complex song, but the whole thing is just, like, a straight, solid through line of emotion, so you can follow along with it even if you have no idea what all the jazz stuff is about. Totally, totally. I mean, like, I always think of this thing of, like, um, you know, they say uh, it doesn't take a good... It doesn't take a cook to recognise good food, so to speak, you know? Hmm. Exactly. I think it's it's the same with music. It's like you don't have to like know about which chords a musician's using. You could have absolutely no musical training and be like, you know, hear a minor four or whatever, and be like, oh my god, that's my favorite part of the song. I wonder why. Like, you know, the difference. Like, as long as, the difference as, long as it being, Yeah, the difference of being a musician is that you can suddenly put a name to it. That's it. Mm. <laughs> absolutely, and I mean, for for me as a musician, like, it was a case of like. I heard and was affected emotionally by, you know, minor fours, for example, um, in the Beatles music and the Bee Gees music and stuff when I was a kid. And I didn't know why. It's just that at some point I was like, oh, that's what that's called. Mm. And it's not the name that's important. It's the sound. 
Yeah, no, but you're in, you're entirely right, and like that does feed into this one. It's kind of a simple setting, simple instrumentally right now, but like it's anything non-diatonic or more complicated that's in there is just there to sort of serve the mood. Um, but I really like where this one is placed at the moment. It feels because uh, for those who don't know, uh, Roger tends to like end his albums, EPs, projects with like a quiet song. This could work in that context. But I also like that there's kind of enough in here that you could just push that ending to be bombastic. <laughs> like, if I may rearrange your song for a second. Uh, Please. Like, uh, at the moment you get the first uh, Don't Let the Dead Guy Win, you could have start brushes and drums. And then you've got that, like, um, wordless section with the melody, like, expanding and going through all those chord changes. Mm. Like afterwards, bring in the drums fully, begin to separate that off to like an orchestra or to like a series of guitars or something like that. Push back uh, the emotion, build it up, build it up, build it up. So that by the time you come back in for another round of Don't Let the Dead Guy Win, uh, you're beginning to sort of get sh a bit Broadway showstopper end of tune kind of a... Uh... <laughs> Kind of yes, and then you've yes. already the thing is you've already got the counterpoint in there which you could build on earlier as well, but then you've also got that to sort of add another layer of um of bombasticness. So like there are there are two distinct ways you could go with this one. You could like keep it entirely small and personal, or you could just start it small and personal and go like, nope, surprise, <laughs> it's a show tune. I mean, it like I think that's a really cool way to look at it. In fact, um. I went very like demo-y with this demo, you know, uh, as opposed to like kind of really trying to build it. But the reason it has that wordless section at the end is because almost just as a reminder for me, basically, when I listen to it again in the future, be like, it should start with just piano and don't let the dead guy win. And then it should like repeat that chord progression and every time come in with like more and more counter melodies, backing vocals, instruments, and just build to this massive thing. So basically what you were saying with the Broadway thing, so, yeah, I, I didn't even write the, like, counter lyrics, you know? I just mm. kind of left it wordless just to be like, it's a demo, you know? But, like, this is the thing that pushes you off into the direction when you record it. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, just briefly, I'll, I'll, I'll say, like, I love that thing. Um, I think it was Brian Daddario from the Lemon Twigs who said something in an interview, like, don't like your demos too much. Mm. And I've, I've been thinking about that loads because it's like... <clears throat> I think last season I made demos which were like fully done and I ended up not liking a lot of the songs or like thinking, oh, it's a good demo, but like how do you like develop it from there? Whereas I think if you have a, a demo where you go, okay, I like the chords, I like the melody, but, you know, it's okay, then you can develop it way more, This is, you know, when you when you do it. This kind of reminds me of something another Brian said, Brian May. Uh, he was talking about uh, Keep Yourself Alive, the first Queen song. And like apparently they just made this brilliant demo for it. Uh, and then every single time they tried to record it afterwards, they could never, ever recapture the energy of the demo, hmm. which kind of feeds into the same point because they never they tended not to make demos after that. It's kind of like it's literally just there to remind you the tune, the chords, the words. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe a suggestion of anything more complicated if you need to work it out beforehand. And to bring up another Brian, Brian Wilson. Um, no, I don't have anything. I just wanted to say that. Um <laughs> But it's I a barrage of Bryans. <laughs> yeah, and to bring up another Brian, Brian Ferry. And to bring up another Brian, Brian Eno. And to bring up another Brian, Brian Blessed. <laughs> I think that's all the Bryans. That's every single Brian that has ever existed on the planet. Well done. We've named them all. Congratulations, us. <laughs> Yay. Let's listen to your song. Uh, tell us about it. I love it the hesitation that you use when describing my song this week. Let's uh, hear your uh, song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking more about our um, comments. <laughs> like how much we're going to have to pay those lawyers um, oh, yeah. that we can definitely afford. This is my first weekly song of season 13. To keep up with the theme of slightly ridiculous titles, it's called Moat. There is a reason. Here we go. I've got a simple kind of complex hypnotist. 
I must have stopped with my own eyes. I dress my faults up as the act of a charmer. Will I lay down this armor? I give my most disarming So stuck inside the mold Wherever you must float Pray one day I'll let you in If I could just accept myself That I could live in peace If I could just accept myself That I could live in peace I guess I try to win in secret And something that there's no Stand the fun of seeking discomfort. Could I just break this one side and set in stone? Oh, yes, you know. Wherever you must float, around this castle stuck inside the moat. Wherever you must float, pray one day I let you in. If I could just accept myself that I could live in peace. Just accept myself that I could live in peace. Been casting this role far too long. I need to find another song. A hint or hinge help me out. Can I change what I don't know? Castle stuck inside the moat. Wherever you must float, pray one day I'll let you in. If I could just accept myself, that I could live in peace. If I could just accept myself, that I could live in peace. If I could just accept myself, that I could live in peace. If I could just accept myself, that I could live in peace. Okay, that was Declan's first weekly song of season 13 called Moat. I love it. Thank, thank you. Uh, I, I've had it on heavy rotation. It's um, it's just such a good song. I love it, man. Thank you. You're, ve- you're very kind. Um, uh, so this one kind of began with that intro pattern, the... Uh... Which basically, I was trying to work out how to play a song for someone else the day before. I wrote this on Thursday. And um, I just accidentally stumbled across this chord, the first one, which is kind of like an A-flat suspended second. Ooh. Uh, so on a guitar, you'd be playing this uh, six on a D, eight on the G, skip the B, six on the E. And then just spent a bit of time trying to work out how you could get a flowing section of those. So that, move the G down to a seven, then play like a five on the D, six on the G, six on the E, give you like a G diminished, and then just the top half of a A flat. Nice. Which I kind of like, because you've kind of got a pedal tone and a descending run in there at the same time, which is not intentional, but... uh, because the pedal tone, you've kind of got that B flat going for three of them before it resolves to the to the uh, A flat. I love that. It's got like that sort of through line. Um, which am I right in thinking you on the demo? You you kind of did that with the bass. You kept like one note going. That was more the bass note, um, which actually does change to a G for the third one. Uh, but, we, but we shall get onto that in a moment. Uh, uh-huh. But then the descending pattern in that is the uh, uh, line that's E flat, D, C sharp, C, which is essentially what you're playing on the G string there. Mm-hmm. So, like, you've kind of got, like I say, pedal tone and semitonal descending, which is kind of nice. It's, makes me happy. I like it. Did that, like, immediately inform the vocal melody? Nope. <laughs> ah, okay. I was just curious. It starts on the suspended note for the If I could just accept myself, then I could live in peace. 
before resting on that uh, root note, the A flat. Starting to go into verses, you have like a, a little run simulating a bass line, because uh, obviously composed on the acoustic guitar, so I just actually put the bass in for the actual recording. Uh, going to a B flat, to an A flat, to a F minor, to an E flat. So that's kind of like going from two to one to six to five, which is, you know, it is fine. It's fine. We'll, we'll live with it. That's, that is unusual, though. Two, one, six, five. I mean, uh, they're all diatonic. It's all, it's all fairly standard. It's kind of a standard melody over the top of it. I guess uh, like the, the suspensions in the guitar chords kind of provide like a more unusual flavour. Yeah, but these are more just straight, these bits in the verse. Oh, right. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Mainly to sort of contrast with the sections just before and just after them. Uh, the second part of the verse repeats around again, but instead of going to the E flat, you go to a G diminished, because it wouldn't be one of my songs if I didn't have it diminished in there. <laughs> it's got to be there. <laughs> and then like this kind of high version of an A flat. And then you send, you do what I call the somebody, uh, somebody? You do what I call the something movement, you know, the Something in the way she moves Attracts me like no other lover Which, uh, so that I cannot be, uh, uh, done for copyright claiming, I shall point out it's been done in other songs. None spring to mind at the moment, but you know, I'm sure they exist. <laughs> um, which is basically you're moving from the natural version of a one to a major seven to a uh, dominant seven to the four. Ah, yeah. And then just so it can go around again, you go to a minor four because we love minor fours and then back up, oh, yeah. back up to a G diminished and then back around that again. And then uh, this is... Uh, next two sets of chords are more worked out because they have the same fingering as the start. Um, so you start on a C sus two, at C sharp sus two, then to an E flat, then to an E flat sus two. Ooh, sorry, played the wrong, oh. chord. Played the wrong <laughs> chord there. Um, but that just means you can then hop the entire shape just up one string, and then you're back into playing the beginning bit. Was that sort of connection between those two parts like a happy accident or like, you know, considered? Well, I was just thinking, I was just thinking like it's going to be a wee bit of a bugger to try and get back to that original shape if I'm doing something weird and complex. So I was just thinking like, well, I'm in more or less the right position anyway. It's like I'm on four and five. I'll just make them four and five sus two each so I can just skip the, uh, <laughs> ah. skip the strings up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the only other musical bit in there is, uh, or original bit of melody, is the uh, bridge. Which is outlining two, four, and five. It rests on two the first time, six the second time, two again, and then it climbs all the way back to a G diminished to get you back into the A flat for the chorus. Um... The final bit of the song, which I think, Roger, you said you liked when oh, we were listening to it, was yeah. the fact that on the last two times it changes round uh, the chord, so it's not so much droning on an A-flat with a G in there as well as the bass. It actually moves between four chords. Um, I only worked this out during the recording of it, but because I'm only playing three notes at a time, uh, you've got a bit of ambiguity as to what I'm actually playing. Uh, so for what I was doing with it originally, I was just assuming that uh, the lowest note I was playing was actually the bass note. But then I looked at that second chord in the sequence, the one that's 6D, 7G, and 6E. Uh, e. I was just thinking, like, wait a minute, that's B flat 7. Ah. So, like, oh, I know I'm doing that last round four to emphasize the words again. So what if I just change it to A sus uh, A flat sus two B seven G diminished A flat, so then you get the best of both worlds. Like it's like one last little surprise for you. 
I, I love it. And, and I also love the fact that it only happens that one time because it's like, I don't know, it's a strong lyric, it's a strong melody anyway, but then to have that one thing just lifts up the whole thing to kind of see you out. <laughs> mm, it's just kind of like, okay, I know people might be getting bored of this now. New surprise! <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that kind of thing where it's like something subtle just shifts and just alters the whole thing really briefly. So I literally only worked out when I was recording it last night. It's just like, do I put it in now? Because I didn't technically write it in the way... Yeah, sorry, let's put it in now. Oh, that that could be chalked up to arrangement, I guess. Yeah. that, that <laughs> You could be correct with that one. And indeed you are, because I say so. Um, also, I've done that so many times where it's like, hang on a second. But this is kind of... Yeah. <laughs> but this is kind of part of the reason why I wanted to explore ambiguity more this season. Is it because I'm playing just a few clusters of notes? There are so many chords you could get out of those notes when you sort of full banded up. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of accidentally fed into one of my goals really, really well. Uh, and I was super excited and happy about that. And I desperately wanted to tell you, uh, but obviously I couldn't because podcast. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's like one of the few moments I'll ever genuinely be like happy with my songwriting. It's like, I did that. Look at it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> Oh, that I love that. That's really cool. So wait, so you wrote all the guitar parts before any lyrics? Yep. Because it sounds like it sounds like a song that just came out all at once to me, in a good way. I mean, I had the vocal melody there as well, and I had a couple of key lines. You know, when you're sort of like uh, just scatting through, <laughs> like a couple of key words were coming through, but I didn't have time to sit down and work it through until I got home. Oh yeah. Uh, I wrote. I wrote this on my lunch, the music on my lunch break on Thursday and then wrote the words in the evening. I had a view that obviously if uh, the words demanded it, I could shift the sections around. Mm. I don't know if they did or not. I can't remember. I'm going to have to go back to my demos and try and find out. Uh, but um, the uh, words kind of came out of... Actually, the first bit I wrote was that bit in the uh, se the second verse, which... You know, I try and win in secret at something that bears no weight upon the world. I was just like, okay, there's something in there, but I'm not certain. Let's have a look at that. Followed that verse through, and then just like, I suddenly realised what I was trying to say, which is basically uh, to uh, to play your tiny violins for a second. Uh, I have problems being honest about my own self-worth, if that makes sense. Mm. I find it very difficult to accept compliments. I always have to turn it into a joke. And uh, I have developed a shorthand for dealing with people in a social situation, which I can appear to be a social creature. Uh, but it's a very shallow coping mechanism that only really exists so that I can be on stage and yell funny things at an audience. Um, it doesn't actually substitute genuine emotional conversation or interaction with people and the defenses will easily be triggered by say for example someone saying that a piece of work i've done is good or like uh, someone saying oh you look really nice today or something or you know something like that mm -hmm. so i thought right i've got these mental barricades moat yeah <laughs> this is literally like yeah i need to get that into a word somewhere uh so that's where that thing comes from in the chorus like uh can i change i give my most disarming no uh, forever you will fr uh, float around this castle stuck inside the moat until I can let you in. Mm. It's a great metaphor. Uh, I think it's a wee, a wee bit like uh, artsy-fartsy, but like I like it. And um, moat is a very fun word to sing for a long time. Because you have to try and remember that the end is coming. Moat! Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like the metaphor, but equally I like the fact that you rhymed moat and float. Just that whole section makes a lot of sense to me. Thank you. For lack of a better way to describe it. It just, it feels like one of those songs that was always kind of out there, you know, which I think is probably the nicest thing I can say about any song. Thank you. There is a reason why it's, I repeat the line forever you must float uh, in there. It's just that I could not think of another relevant word that rhymed with moats. <laughs> oh, right. So yeah. it's like, Nail this point down. Nail this point down. <laughs> yeah. And then just to completely get rid of the subtext, uh, that's why the post-chorus bit is that uh, 
If I could just accept myself, then I could live in peace. It's just like, okay, we are really not going for ambiguity on this one at all, are we? No, we are just putting <laughs> it right out there. <laughs> but it's, I think it's cool that you balanced the metaphorical moat bit with some like plain naked honesty. I think those two things counterbalance very well. Mm. If it was all one or all the other, it might be kind of like, you know, tipped too far one side but yeah hmm i mean it, they're literally just words that's what i can say to that one um is it but is it a, sorry go on go on no 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 you were gonna say something i was just gonna say um it it's it seems like such a well-structured song particularly lyrically i'd say like did it take a lot of revisions lyrically or was it just kind of like once you started writing it all came it mostly all came out the only slight exception was uh i shifted Verses one and two around. Mm. Verse one, I think, has a much stronger opening line. I've got a simple kind of complex, you noticed. Which, you know, it's a bit of an oxymoron and I like it. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That's very cool. But then it also leads into the thing which you actually mentioned uh, when we were listening to it. Like, uh, I dress my faults up as the act of a charmer. Uh, could I lay down this armor? I give my most disarming no. Mm. So you've got that arm... Uh, rhyme in there three times over those words over those uh sections of chords i was just thinking because that tag into the chorus originally only happened happened on the end of verse two i just thought eh, it kind of makes sense but it doesn't really work and i thought shit no this goes on the end of verse one and then suddenly it, that's the brilliant bit and then verse two is just kind of like Okay, we'll introduce the second major theme to do with the choruses, which I'll get to very quickly. But like, uh... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that. And I'll, I'll repeat what I said when we listened to, to the track. I like that you had charmer and armor and disarm, not only rhyming so closely together, but also not on the beats which you would necessarily expect them. I thought that was like a really cool trick. Thank you. I wish I could have done that for verse two as well, but it's kind of... It's difficult to get three relevant words rhyming that close together in a sentence that makes sense. Also, you don't want it to be too forced. You don't want it to be like, you know, trying to crowbar some words together. Like, if that stuff happens, I personally feel it should happen quite naturally. Yeah, um, I did sort of try it. Uh, I got to, I cannot bear the thought of seeking discomfort. Can I just break this once? Uh, I'm stuck in stone. Oh yeah, and I just realised. Oh wait, no, I can't really do anything with that one. So you've just got the two kind of rhymes there. It's a bit weaker, but like the second verse into the chorus introduces uh, the fun of homonyms. Hooray for homonyms! Um, homonyms. Um, homonyms. Uh, for those of you who did not do English GCSE, homonym is basically one word that sounds the same as another but is spelled differently and has a different meaning so for example red the color red and red as in read a book mm -hmm. they're spelled differently but they sound the same and they have different meanings yes it's, it's a cool songwriting thing because obviously with songwriting it's primarily something you hear one of my favorite things to do with choruses is to change up the words and change the meaning of them mm, yeah uh, as the song goes on uh which is a bit of a queen trick that i've pinched but it's one of my favorite tricks to use because uh, it and it means you can just expand the journey of a song so much more. Uh, this one I sort of had the first chorus written, and I was intending to maybe like tweak it a little bit as it went on. Mm. Uh, so the first one, uh, uh, will I lay down a summer? I give my most disarming no. Like no, I will not change my point of view. The second one makes the same point, but from a different angle, as it were. Like, uh, could I just break this once? I'm set in stone. Oh, yes, you know. As in, like, yeah, we know you'll never change. Rather than, I cannot change, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But then but then you're using no uh, K-N-O-W. Very cool. And then the final one coming out of the bridge, will I change? I just don't know. Mm. So you've not quite shut down the possibility of changing. So there's been a slight shift. Which is a cool technique. And also just like on the emotional level, it's like the idea that over the course of a song, the, I don't know, you, the narrator, whoever it is who's singing the song, has had a change of heart even over those three or so minutes, I think is a cool thing. I mean, that's the kind of thing that just keeps the listener engaged and just provides like a nice, um, you know, variety to a song, I think. 
thank you. You're you're very kind. Uh, you can see. You, I hope you can sense the difficulty of which I'm having to accept this compliment <laughs> on a song that's about partially about not having great self-worth uh, <laughs> <laughs> and now you're back on a podcast with me and i like your songs a lot so <laughs> why do i like, do this to myself this is like exposure therapy for you <laughs> ah! <laughs> although talking of exposure therapy there is kind of like another little goal with um this set of songs that i'm going to write i do uh, a weekly what well, i perform at a weekly of mike night the cloak and dagger in bristol so my little goal for this time is that I have to perform each of these songs live uh, oh. to an audience, which is why you've kind of got that little riff in the bridge just to show, like, yes, I can actually play guitar. I'm not just doing chords. Here we go. Because mm. um, it's... I noticed when we were doing these throughout lockdowns that I just wasn't remembering the songs as clearly, and it took a lot more effort to go back and relearn them, uh, which I am doing. And I like those songs. I really do. But, like... It's just something about physically getting out there and playing them that makes a difference. I fully get that, yeah. I mean, I watched that McCartney 321 thing on Disney Plus recently, and one thing he said was, like, um, in the early days when he, he and John were writing songs, like, the reason the songs were memorable was not because they, like, wanted to make memorable, memorable songs necessarily, but just that they needed to remember them. So the result was memorable songs. Hmm. Yes, There's something about, of... like, I need to remember this to play it live that delivers the same thing. Yeah, which, uh, and it's also just a physical practice of having to rehearse it to perform it. Uh, so that's kind of, like, uh, the last bit of exposure therapy is doing that and working out the banter of how to sing a self-pitying song about yourself on stage, which I have at time of recording uh, about 20... Nine hours left to do. <laughs> oh man, that's that's cool. I'm looking forward to hearing this one live. Uh, thank you. I shall I shall endeavour to play it for you when you're when we are next in the same building. We both have guitars. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you should teach it to me too, because um, I like I like the guitar parts. Uh, sh- sure thing. Cool. Um, this is a Coolio, <laughs> daddy. I'm giving you too much exposure therapy time here. <laughs> yeah, I need, uh, small steps, please. Small steps. <laughs> No, I, I I really like it. It's one of my favourites of your songs for sure. Yeah, oh, thank you very much. I'm really pleased with this week. We've both come out with some great stuff. Uh, yeah, this is about as positive as I'm ever going to be about my own songs. Uh, but like, yeah, we've both come out against with something a little bit different for us each. I feel. Yes, I think so too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a good start to season thirteen. I think. Yeah, indicative of like uh, how we intend to approach these things this time. Long may it continue for all seven weeks so that's it for this episode of the weekly song podcast thank you very much for listening to the first episode of season 13 the numbers keep getting bigger i it, 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 I, I don't know how we got to this point uh uh we have had no new emails this week other than one very kind email like asking where we were and if the new season was going to be starting soon it has it has you're listening to it it has this is it yeah 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 oh Woo. oh I'm too hyped and excited. Uh, <laughs> if you've liked anything that you've heard on the uh, podcast, if you've got any questions about anything that you've heard, if perhaps you have written your own weekly songs and you would like them played on air and discussed and torn apart by us lecherous devils, um, uh, then maybe uh, you could send stuff into weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com uh, where we do read things out on air and we are very nice people and we're not really lecherous devils. No, um, no, I don't know. Very supportive. We're, we're charming, shy nerds. It's 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 our it's our oeuvre. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Send us in your what? songs and your <laughs> comments and everything. We love them. We love them. Please keep them coming in. Uh, right. Uh, we shall be back next week with uh, two new sets of songs. But before we go, uh, Roger, where can they find you, your music, your projects, everything that you're doing, out either in the physical world? Or in the digital sphere, because the ah. internet must be a sphere. <laughs> the old digital sphere, eh? Uh, so if you want to follow, like, my day-to-day stuff, Instagram's the place. Uh, that's at Roger Heathers on Instagram uh, for, like, recording videos and songwriting stuff. Um, and as far as other places, Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music, all the, all the sphere places... 
Uh, I've just released a new uh, EP called Y2K. and Check it out. It's really good. And that's out now. So uh, give it a listen and let me know what you think. Um, uh, how about you, Declan? Where can people find you and your music and your um, deepest, you know, desires in the digital sphere? Well, my deepest desires, I'll never tell. Uh, but for my music, <laughs> for my music, uh, you can find that at uh, Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp, uh, all the fun places. Check out the name Declan Kitchener. Don't actually search for it. Just check it out. Just type it into the search bar and then just look at it, gaze at it longingly. It's a good looking name when you look at, look at it written down. I mean, the second half is kind of a war criminal's name, but we won't. We'll skate right over that one. Um, <laughs> uh, if you search Declan Kitchen and Music on Facebook and YouTube as well, uh, there's a Facebook page where I occasionally post things. Uh, not very often. I should do more. Uh, in fact, I should do a post after I finish this recording session. Um, and 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 on YouTube, I there's a load of covers on there that. Uh, I have done with Roger as well. Roger's got loads of great ones on his YouTube channel as well, as well as uh, Josh James and Sammy Jonas. Check out their music channels as well because they've done a load of covers as well and they're also really good and they're good mates. Cool. Uh, The only other place that you can maybe find me in the physical world is, like I said, I go to Cloak & Dagger open mic on a Wednesday. Uh, So if you're not tired of my droning voice then, uh, meet me there and buy me a drink because I'm very, very poor. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's literally got to the point where I'm begging on the internet. <laughs> oh, that's what the internet's for. It's what exactly. This was the end goal of the internet. This is um, what Douglas Internet wanted. Uh, Mr. Douglas Internet Esquire, eighteen eighty-two. <laughs> yeah, that might yeah. be a title. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we still got it, folks. We still got it. We still got ridiculous. <laughs> meaningless sentences in us i mean this this whole podcast is a collection of them <laughs> a gallimorphe of uh of meaningless sentences and with that uh we shall have to say uh goodbye and see you next week so uh ta-ra ta-ra